All right, and we are back with another episode of Talking as a Free Action, the uh, D&D DM-focused podcast that hopefully you're listening to on your uh, Spotify, iTunes, etc. I'm your host, Owen, here today with uh, my standard co-host, Marvin. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing good, doing good. And we actually have a third uh, person, a special guest today. Uh, we have uh, Lucas here with uh, Vorpal Lance Music. Ew, great to be here. Excited. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, and we're super stoked, too, um, to have you on. Uh, I've certainly been following your channel for, for quite a little quite a little bit now, actually. Uh, so it's definitely been really exciting to both work with you as well as have you have you on board here for, for the episode. So Yeah, I'm super excited for it. I, uh, I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> Glad to hear it, man. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, with that... Uh, we're going to, you know, just kind of have a conversation today. Um, I wanted to ask you a few questions about kind of your uh, your experience with, uh, you know, both your YouTube channel, D&D, of course. Uh, it'd be weird if we weren't talking about that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, just kind of see where the conversation takes us. Sure. All right. Sounds great. Perfect. So, um, I guess first things first, uh, do you want to tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So, um, I... Uh, run the brand of uh, Vorpal Lance Music. Um, I write a lot of soundtrack uh, music for um, D&D campaigns and uh, among other things, I've done like some songs for like Twitch channels and a couple of people working on like personal video games and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it I focus on kind of like D&D music to kind of play in the background as you're uh, running your campaigns uh, to kind of help set the mood or kind of like invoke emotion uh, of certain things happening yeah <laughs> i'm not sure what else to, to go off on that no right. i mean that's a great start yeah yeah no that's that's really interesting i'm, I'm kind of curious like how you got into that because that seems like a like incorporating music i think into a DD campaign isn't something that i feel like i was like aware that you could do until i started watching like critical role <laughs> like years and right you yeah know, a few years ago so like is that something that you've always done as a dm or i guess i should ask do you dm <laughs> uh, yes i i i've been kind of the um always gm for probably about 12 or so years already um and since the beginning i've always kind of uh, felt that it's important to uh, include music in my campaigns um, because, like, setting the mood and having the soundtrack to help push that emotional tone has always been very important to me as a DM because uh, it kind of helps really, like, set everything up or, like, hit certain cues uh, in the story. Um, and I want to say I, I, I was using, like, music I was finding on the internet to uh, to include in my campaigns for a while. Um, but then around, I want to say about six years ago, I wanted like a particular style or type of song uh, to kind of hit a certain mood I was looking for, but I couldn't find anything that really fit. So I just kind of decided that I'm going to just make the song myself so that it'll, it'll fit in the, in the style that I wanted. And then since then, I was kind of like, I'm just going to write my own soundtrack for my campaign from here on out, basically. Um, I had been writing music or creating music since high school, give or take. Uh, so it, it, a lot of practice and, and stuff has been put into it. And, and I, I finally have like the, the software and plugins I need to actually make it sound more professional now. So I've, I've actually been uploading my music to uh, my YouTube channel, uh, Vorpal Lance Music, for... I want to say like two years now, give or take. Huh. Wow. I guess I mean that I've probably found your channel fairly early on because I think I've been following you for around that long. I mean, really? I, it, probably not exactly. I want to say you had maybe like <laughs> seven or eight videos up or something at the time. Like it wasn't. Oh huge. yeah, no, that's that's pretty early in the channel in the channel life. Then yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I it's definitely been really, really cool kind of seeing that, because, I mean, you're uploading, like, other people's, um, like, you do commission work, of course, so you're uploading other people's yeah. commissions. Yeah, yeah I, I usually make sure I have permission from the, from the person, because some people are like, well, this is, like, a little personal for my campaign, and I want to keep it to myself, and I'm I, I totally cool honoring them with that. 
Um, but some people are like, yeah, I want you to show off this cool music that you made to, to all the, all, all the other people. And I'm like, that's great. I just need some artwork to go with it or something. Uh, so either they sometimes provide it themselves or they have like an artist that already did a, um, commission for their own character or something like that. And usually I can talk with artists to kind of get permission and everything to, to feature that on my channel. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... I definitely understand that that feeling of, like, I want to score this section of my story, but, like, <laughs> I just don't have anything, like, specific. Or sometimes you don't even know what you're looking for. Um, right. So, obviously... I, and, and honestly, one of the big things that I was having a problem with that, that kind of prompted a lot of this was um, I couldn't find any decent spider battle music. <laughs> and I was, I was like, I have this like, this like drow, kind of, like female leader of, I can't think of the word, uh, priest, but monarch kind of thing. Okay. Um, and and she was she was gonna have like this huge standoff with uh, my party, and I was like, why can I not find any decent spider music anywhere on the internet? So I like, I uh, I, I I kind of found something to work for my own and then later i had somebody commission um uh, and uh, like a more intensive spider battle song and uh after uploading that one to my channel it's one of my most popular uh videos right now so because you know you can't find spider battle music anywhere else <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have the corner of the market a little bit <laughs> a little bit <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit concerned about what would return on the Google results prior to you uploading that. <laughs> it's like a bunch of Spider-Man riffs. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, no, actually, that's, I think, one of my favorite things that you've done, actually, like from like the videos that I have listened to of yours, mm. um, which hasn't been all of them, admittedly, but of the majority. That's of them, totally fine. I, I don't expect anybody to listen to all of, all of the songs I upload. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely functions a little bit more like a... Um, like a catalog of like, oh, I could use music for this or for that. So um. exactly, and that's and that's exactly what I'm shooting for is kind of giving everybody the opportunity to find something that'll hopefully work for their campaign in in this kind of setting or or capture this mood. Mm. I, I like that. Mm. Yeah, I was um I was gonna say like apropos of the um, spider music, I actually have used that particular track for a fight in our campaign that almost happened. <laughs> was it the spider battle it was definitely the spider battle <laughs> um a little bit of a different story but um in this campaign the players were chasing a um i guess an aberration a creature of some sort um that had like nearly slain a spirit that the party was like working with at the time so they're like hey this this person nearly killed me i want you to go find them and bring their head it's like okay easy enough like what's the description well he has a million eyes and it's like well that's not good <laughs> so uh, that's that's a red flag there <laughs> yeah um mm -hmm. so basically they hunt this guy down um they eventually track him down to like this um airship wreckage that's like embedded in a mountain because it's from ages ago they like go through the entire dungeon or whatever they find his guide because he used a guide to find the the crash site that he had, like, mm -hmm. transformed into this giant spider abomination, um, which was great. It ate one of my player's dogs. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so um, it's okay. It was made of magic. It got better. But oh, okay. <laughs> but he had it for, like, all of, like, two days or something before it <laughs> happened. So, um, so they eventually make their way down to the bottom. I was hyping up this fight or whatever, and they eventually, um, you know, go to engage with this guy, um, I did a, a plot twist for this fight, so it was going to be a straight fight, but the way that it panned out, um, the NPC recognized one of the player characters, but the player character didn't know them, and that was a big reveal that he had had his um, his memories altered like from his backstory. I actually retconned uh, his yeah. entire backstory. Right. Um, but the reason that I use the spider battle is because this character, in addition to having an affinity for spiders, is like if the T-1000 from Terminator 2 was made of spiders... Oh no! <laughs> uh, that is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's just. But like, I love. But I love it. 
Yeah. But like, imagine me being a DM, like, huh, I really need to like find, like, how do I capture the energy of a man made of spiders, right? <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I'm not the only person to have asked this, uh, had this right, problem. Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Just inhaling some water. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's not good for you, bud. No. You don't have gills, Owen. Try as I might. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Funny we'll story fix that about post. that. <clears throat> I, yeah, I mean, you, you'll have to buy. They're a little. They're kind of expensive these days, but. <laughs> yeah, I've taken an inventory of uh, my many talents, and sadly, breathing water is not one of them. <laughs> you well, you have to. You have to unlock children. that. Yeah, you have to unlock that ability. Yeah, that perfect. You don't just right? get it. You don't just get it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I wonder what happens if you have like a the helm of water breathing or whatever. You start to like, do you just not choke in the water? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm. Um, you're not you're not supposed to have the helm on when you're drinking water, though, because then I feel like it just it just turns into breathable air for you, essentially. Oh, that sounds like a type of horror that I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to entertain. Oh my goodness. Um. I don't know what this edit is going to sound like, but I feel like that was a good enough joke to want to keep some of the coughing in. Sure. So, <laughs> all of it. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's what people I mean, hear is ASMR I mean, choking to death. I mean, I mean, it's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's what I want to hear. Exactly. Wait, you want to hear me choking? To death. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm not going to kink shame, but... I, I, feel like he's got a, I feel like he's got a lot of player versus DM aggression pent up that he's just now uh vocalizing i mean <laughs> i will neither confirm nor deny that <laughs> yeah he starts every one of our sessions by saying he immediately kills one of the other players so it's almost always the same one. Oh no <laughs> He it's deserves like, it. You, you feel after like a couple of them, they're going to be like, I feel like this is personal for some reason. <laughs> I mean, sometimes he's not that self-aware. <laughs> yeah, good people, good people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I want to, to ask, so obviously you've been playing music for, you know, doing music for quite some time. Is yep. that something where you were like professionally trained to do or has it just always been a, a hobby? Ab absolutely not professionally trained. I was self-taught um because i was i was really in high school i was really interested in like composing and and creating music and i had this little midi maker program on my computer that i could like assign notes and say i want this to be this instrument and then it sounds you know like 16-bit uh super nintendo kind of sounding quality um okay and then all that all that I was really given for like um, training was my band. My high school band teacher at the time took me over to the piano. She said, "This is C. This is F. Have fun figuring out the rest." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Kind of makes sense, but okay. I'll 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 work on it." And then I worked on it for uh, you know decades, and here we are now. I like that. Yeah. Just figure it out. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. She was like, I don't have time for this right now. Just. <laughs> yeah. What am I teaching? Composition? Well, no. She was teaching high school band. <laughs> exactly. Was... I, I was I was there on like my uh, my my study hall time, just kind of like hanging out in the band room because I wanted to know more about music. And then she's like, I don't I don't have time for your shenanigans. Just just here's C and F. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, she she was great though. I, I I it it sounds like she was mean, but she was actually a, a wonderful person. My experience, um, band teachers are usually top tier. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember our uh, band teacher at our high school because Marvin and I went to the same high school. Ah, um, yep. She was she was pretty great. Um, I actually took. You know, what's funny is our our, our high school offered a um a uh, class four piano actually. Um, oh yeah. So I actually took that, I think, two semesters. Um, I took the same course. They, they let me do it because I didn't need the credits. So. Um, nice. <laughs> so the <laughs> easiest day I ever got. Right. Um, 
but yeah i mean that's a lot to say that like i can play the piano but like my proficiency i would say is like not particularly high <laughs> the amount of practice and and fine tuning you put into it yeah i mean like yeah you know i've had some piano lessons i've you know obviously taken those two piano courses um right and i think i took a music i definitely took a couple of music classes in college but you know like they're not teaching you a ton just like the basics <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. um and then uh, like music theory doesn't translate to your ability to like create good music <laughs> you know <laughs> like knowing music theory yeah. does not help in that area necessarily I I mean it it can but you have to know how to implement it and how to use the sometimes just uh you know foreign language that is music theory uh to essentially convert it into uh a song that sounds good because anybody can just sit there and put notes together but to actually make it sound cohesive and flow well and have meaning and emphasis behind it is Two totally different things. Yeah, I definitely feel that. It's it, it's, it's, it's a Yeah. Marvin, do you play any instruments? Just out of curiosity. Oh, um, I took one guitar class. Uh, for that's all you need. Course. As long as you got C and F, that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> um, in freshman year of high school, I took one guitar class for one semester. And I have barely picked up a guitar since. <laughs> um, I also took a couple piano lessons, but I was not very good at it. But I, I mean, play a meat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not not every instrument's for everybody. Uh, I think I started on like the uh, the tuba in high school, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This oh, isn't wow. for me. I'm not into it." And uh, then I moved over to percussion for pretty much the rest of high school and self-taught myself piano, self-taught myself guitar, and just mm-hmm. kind of went from there. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I guess one thing you can say about percussion is that, like, it, it teaches you a good baseline. Yeah. Um, you know, like... Yeah, and how how important rhythm is not only for the percussion section, but how rhythm is for the whole rest of the band, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it is definitely the, the heartbeat of what's going on. Um, yeah. In every sense of the word. And I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people who, like, will listen to music and appreciate what's going on. But, like, you can always tell if someone is, like, into music because they'll start to pick out stuff in the, like, that's going on that most people don't hear on their first or 20th lesson, uh, listen. <laughs> even. Yeah, a lot of times if I'm listening to music with people, I'll, like, start picking, like, little things out of it and they just hate listening to me like analyze music as we're listening to it (laughs) well i mean i guess you just have a very different relationship with music than most people at this point yeah so that's 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 fine i have my own opinion of certain things in music and other people have different opinions and i am totally cool to leave it at that (laughs) i guess respect that yeah so um i know uh marvin we were talking a little bit earlier um about uh about favorite artists and such um Mm -hmm. so you know i mean what style of music like are you inspired by like what kind of stuff like got you into it oh gosh um i mean i think at the time i was listening to a lot of like video game soundtrack music so like i had like the halo soundtrack i had um i think the god of war soundtrack i was listening to at the time And I was kind of, like, figuring out, I really like the tone that this song has, but how do I, like, how do I capture that without, like, directly copying it or essentially recreating the same song? So, uh, kind of figuring out how to, like, what what instrument sounds and what... um, what like types of notes, chords, or keys kind of like invokes certain types of emotions or feelings, and how to kind of use that to craft the um, the, the fullness of the song and kind of all that I want to encapsulate uh, in there. 
So, uh, yeah, it started a lot with just listening to, like, video game soundtrack music at, uh, back at the time. Um, I've also had a lot of other musical influences that have kind of uh, come into play. Like, I, I, I have kind of a uh, a big... One of the things that really helped me get into music was starting to listen like to like progressive rock and progressive metal and stuff, and the instrumentation that they would do in all those kind of things um, really kind of helped me start to try to learn how did they do that, how did they accomplish that particular sound or like that particular thing because it's it's usually a little different from the normal kind of stuff that I just hear on the radio. And mm-hmm. I, I I do my best to try to incorporate at least a little bit of that. This doesn't sound uh, like something entirely normal. Like there's a little there's something a little different and something a little interesting to this that's not doesn't sound like the same as all the other songs that I've heard. Okay, okay, that's pretty cool. I like yeah. that a lot. Um, yeah. Are there any particular artists that uh, that influenced you? Uh, I mean, Dream Theater was a big uh, influence for me for a very long time. Um, but then I also started listening to like um, uh, Symphony X and Steve Vai, um, a, lot, a lot of guitar people because I was you know really into guitar. I was kind of a guitar nerd for a little while there, um, but. Yeah, a little, a little all, all over the place, um, as far as like, uh, kind of progressive rock and progressive metal, uh, goes for a while. But then I also started like opening up like, a- after a bit, I was like, I can't just listen to these this one genre over and over and over again. So I kind of like opened it up and started listening to like other things, uh, mm-hmm. listen to like some of the songs on the radio. But then I would sit there and like analyze what makes this particular part of this song sound like this. Uh, like how is this broken down? Um, and then criticize. Oh, this is why this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if that's yeah. what you're doing when you're listening to songs on the radio, I can imagine why you'd be uh, real popular with your friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like sitting there listening to some new pop song, and you're just like, you know, that doesn't really work musically, does it? And they're just like, can you just enjoy the song? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's that's that. that's almost exactly how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, that sounded. You know, you're listening to the to the vocal performance. You're like, that sounded a little. That's a little forced, right? <laughs> it's like that's definitely auto tuned. <laughs> I relate to this for very different reasons. I relate. To this. <laughs> Are you auto tuned right now, Marvin? Is that what you're telling us? Uh. You wouldn't I mean, even know. <laughs> <laughs> I would no, not on today. Um, but what uh, what Lucas is describing is basically what happens when I watch anime with literally anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely know that feeling. That's for sure. Oh, Over analyzing it right in front of them. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's very aggressive. <laughs> I mean, I, I do. The, I do the same with certain movies. That too. Yep. Yeah. That, I'll, I'll be. I'll uh, be in the theater. Lean over to my wife, and I'll just like have a comment. She'll be like, "Shut up and watch the movie." <laughs> Ooh, I know that feel. Yeah. Yeah. I, she says it with love, but you know, she's she either gets a laugh out of it or she's sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That uh. That reminds me of the last time uh, I was at the theaters. It was to watch um, No Way Home with my wife. And mm. um, spoilers for No Way Home, uh, like 30, you know, jump like a minute in the future if you haven't watched <laughs> the movie and don't want to get spoiled. Right. But um, in that movie, there's a portion where um, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, um, intercepts Doctor Strange before he sends all of the like other movies antagonists back to their <laughs> universe to die or whatever. Yeah. And Tom Holland stops him from doing that. And my wife turns over to me and she's like, I want you to know that if you weren't here, I would have walked out just now. <laughs> because oh she gosh. was so upset that Tom Holland just extended the runtime of this movie by like an hour and a half. <laughs> and it was such a contrived plot reason. <laughs> just like, yeah. like, his reasoning doesn't even make a lot of sense in that, mo- in that moment. Like, it's like, oh, well, if I said I'm yeah, not, it, I'm just going to die. It's like, well, what's the alternative, yeah. buddy? <laughs> like, yeah. 
I mean, uh, it, it took it took me like an extra like couple of scenes just to like be like, okay, so this is where they're going with it. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I I mean if the movie's already here, I guess I'm gonna, just gonna follow along. But it just it seemed very sudden <laughs> and unexpected, mm-hmm. contrived almost. Yeah. Like <laughs> plus, plus, aren't they just being sent back to die anyway? Kind of. Yeah, like, uh, like they were—they yeah. were essentially stolen like moments before their death, and then they're going to get sent back to die anyway. I'm pretty sure this is a uh, Doctor Who episode, <laughs> right? Uh, I think the point was that they were going to die no matter what he did. Mm-hmm. But he's a kid, so he doesn't understand that everything <laughs> has consequences. This will make my conscience feel better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like... Like, okay, so spoiler time over then, right? Because we—I think we passed by the thirty seconds or minute that we told him to skip ahead. Yeah, oh, you're right. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I can't, I can't fix that in post, but that's no, fine. that's that's totally fine. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I have more spoilers. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely understand the desire to like. Sometimes you're just watching something and just the background knowledge in your head of like what you know about a topic is interfering with your ability to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Yep. Like you're constantly definitely thinking about what it could have been. And that's the worst part. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's always important, I guess, to judge art on the merit of what it is and not what, it, what it could have been, but it it's real hard. Yeah. I imagine this is why uh, physicists are not really fun to hang out with in works. <laughs> Just like constantly you're thinking not, about. You're just not hanging out with the right physicists, I think. <laughs> I mean, I actually do know, know one that's actually really awesome, but like, I have to imagine that like when you have like a, an in, uh, in-depth understanding of the mathematics behind a lot of like physical phenomena that you can observe, that there's no way that you can divorce that information from your head. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like a like a one-way door. Right. Man, I can imagine that physicists are not entirely fun to play D D with um because there'd be a real stickler for like the physical attributes like it's like okay so you have a you have a jumping distance of like uh at least like 10 plus your your modifier and there's like there's no way someone's jumping 17 feet man <laughs> <laughs> so you know funny story i actually have played D with the physicist <laughs> um because well because i um because uh, Andrew's brother, he's a, he has a master's in physics, right? And he was playing with us um, for, I want to say it was a handful of sessions. And honestly, he was a blast just because, like, he was not doing anything, like, physics He was just doing, like, force of personality, like, straight up just, like, you know, trying to conversate his way through problems instead of trying to, oh, like, yeah. engage with it. And that was actually really fun to, to watch a new player because he hadn't played before. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of engage in those sorts of situations where it's, like... Um, I think like the the one bit that like sticks out at me is they went to go break a guy out of a dungeon, right? And so mm-hmm. like he walked in and he like they had like jumped a guard or whatever and he had like stolen their clothes. So he walked <laughs> in and basically like passed himself off as one of the superiors during the like who was like making orders or whatever. And like when the other party members started the fight, he actually stayed with. Like, he didn't join against the, the guards. He was still commanding the guards to fight the other players in the party. But mm-hmm. then once the fight, like, once the first guy took a hit, he then ordered all of them to retreat further into the compound. And that's how they <laughs> cleared the encounter. That's awesome. I was like, that's actually really clever. He's like, no, I just don't want to. Just go back to your bunks. <laughs> well, retreat further into the compound to defend the, the higher priority prisoners, right? It's yeah. like, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? So <laughs> doesn't doesn't break the illusion. Yeah, as it were. Um, but yeah, so so I do have a question in regards to like you know kind of jumping back to your your musical process, like yeah, you know when you do. I mean, obviously sometimes you know exactly what it is you're going to make beforehand, um, or sometimes I guess you get a client who knows what's you know what they want ahead of time. But like, what's your process for trying to like you know come up with with you know how to fill that request, I guess. I'm not really sure how to word this question, but I, I hope you understand. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I know kind of what you're going for. Um, and sometimes they have, like, a really good idea of, like, like they, they might even, like, break the song down into sections. Like, this first section, I want to be this, like, establishing this melody. And then second section, I want to have it, like, spin into, like, this kind of vibe or this kind of style. And then the next section, do this. And then on the final section, kind of bring it all back together. Um, or, or they'll have like a certain like kind of structure that they're looking for. Um, other people are kind of like, 
and and all of this is totally fine. I can usually like find a made find a way to make all this work. But other people will just be like, I just kind of want this mood or vibe for it, and I want it to kind of fit the style or genre of this type of music. Um, but overall, like the the process of like figuring that out. Probably fifty percent of the time, I just kind of make it up and see how it goes, and <laughs> edit it along the way. Um, I'll, I'll I'll start with something, and then in like twenty thirty minutes of it, I'm just like, "Is this anything? Can I make this work? Should I just start over?" Um, that happens a, a decent amount of the time. Where uh, I, I I mean, usually I have a decent idea of like what kind of instruments could help capture that kind of mood um but there is also a a significant amount of the time where they maybe don't give enough details and therefore what i come up with is not quite what they're looking for um and then i'll have to be like okay so we can either change what i currently have or i can like just start fresh because i've only written like a minute or so of music so it's not like a, a huge detriment or anything um but yeah, I, I, a lot of it's a lot of it's kind of trial and error, especially like music, because like with art, like 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 visual art, when people get commissions and stuff, they can kind of have have an idea of like what kind of thing they're like looking to do or like character they're trying to create, mm-hmm. um, with like some kind of reference. Like sometimes people send me reference songs, um, and I'll I'll do my best to kind of replicate replicate something in that style. Or something that kind of matches from it that they're looking for. Do you have like a favorite like starting position? I guess <laughs> like you know what's what's your favorite? Um, I mean, not favorite client, but like if you have a client who's coming in, like what's your favorite starting place um, for for the process? Um, I mean, essentially, if they come in with just as as much information as they can about. I, I mean, while it can help if they give me like a little a little flavor text on like the the character or the story that the that the campaign's about leading up to like wh- where the song is gonna come in, uh, a lot a lot of that can like kind of help build up to like one particular thing. Uh, like, for example, I had a, a client who had um, this dungeon that was, uh, at at the end of it, the the big boss was going to be like this ancient, massive demon that was just like uh uh, uh being held back by these enormous chains, um which I think I already have uploaded on my YouTube at this point. Um, Boy, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, they were saying that um throughout the dungeon they wanted to have like kind of these the sound of these giant chains like clanging together. Uh, as well as like the the I, I don't remember if they necessarily said the boss battle itself also wanted the chains, but yeah, like like little things like that. Like I they want like specific um notes or whatever in it to kind of help me figure out where to kind of go with it specifically. Because I I mean I can write a generic battle theme or a generic dungeon theme, but it's it's when you give me like the little notes of like little either like particular flourishes or like you want like the the sound of angels wailing in the background or something you know just to kind of give it uh, a particular thing that'll that'll help it stand out mm-hmm. um yeah so like little, little little details like that usually kind of help me get a better idea of where to start with it it, it like transports the listener to that place right yeah so like it yep. sounds um it sounds like um I was gonna say visually, it sounds audibly different from other settings because, like, right. Sometimes, like, you listen to music and it's like, I don't know where this came from. Like, it could be from anything, but there are definitely like music tracks that stick with you, and you listen to it, and you're like, that's a Zelda track, that's right. a Final mm-hmm. Fantasy track. It has that yeah. like, it has that like something to it that like mm-hmm. that like jumps out as like that's this style. It fits. Right, and mm-hmm. and I mean a lot of that is kind of indicative to the composers that created uh, those songs. They all kind of put their own little twist, their own little style on it, and I I certainly have that with my own music, where I kind of uh, do a handful of 
tropes or like the same kind of musical patterns I, I tend to do uh, frequently. I, I do my best to kind of catch myself on it and be like, ah, you're doing it again. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> it's hard though. Like your brain starts it, to like, hard. you know, get into that pattern, right? It's yeah. like, oh, this always works. This sounds it, good. It's like... it, yeah, it's comfortable. And all of a sudden, and then I'm, I'm just like, I've been doing the same drum beat for the past 15 songs I've written. <laughs> <laughs> Need to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> Maybe throw a snare in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. So obviously, like when it comes to to you know kind of capturing that mood, you have to have a pretty wide like um, musical library. Not like literal, mm-hmm. but like yeah, your knowledge of the various instruments and stuff, you know, would have yeah. to be pretty robust, right? Yeah, I, I have a I have a wide selection of. Um... Uh, they call them VSTs um, and like plugins uh, that have a wide variety of of different kind of instrumentations um, or even like synth sounds and stuff that I can use. I, I mean, I uh, with all that I've invested in that, I mean, I probably have like over a over a thousand different sounds that I can use, give or take. Um, but it's it's sitting there and taking that big group of a thousand different sounds I can use and saying I need these three, four, five instruments out of it to make to make this particular sound that I'm looking for. So some 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 of it starts with let me browse through my entire catalog and see what sounds are gonna work well for this. I mean usually I have a pretty good idea of like these ten have been working really well for me in the past, so I'm gonna kinda keep going back to them a lot, but sometimes you just need a little different sound to kinda like make it stand out a little bit more yeah like recently i threw a theremin into a song and wasn't expecting to but it, it worked i don't even think i know what that instrument is <laughs> theremin is weird because it's 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 not a traditional instrument it actually uses um electromagnetic field mm-hmm. uh it has these like metal bars uh that go through it uh, and there's two bars that you have to like touch, and then one bar as you move your hand further away from it, it increases the volume of the sound, and then the other bar, the further you get your hand away from it, the 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 higher the pitch gets. This, this sounds really like <laughs> like new wave eighties, like yeah, it was de- yeah, it was definitely like an eighties ish, maybe even like. Maybe even seventies. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it, yeah, it definitely was like um, kind of eighties, seventies era of. Um, I think it was when it was meant. I don't know. I kind of want to Google this right now just to look it up. <laughs> I I just Googled it, and this thing looks wild. It it is wild, but there, I've seen people do incredible things with it. It was invented in nineteen nineteen. By a physicist. Okay, so a little bit before the eighties, right? Well, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I don't think it was like put into like traditional, like 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 modern music until use. yeah, because they use it a lot for like um, like like back in like the 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 sixties and seventies and stuff when you'd have like a like a weird alien or something on the on the on the movie, and then the song would go like woo kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that would that's, be really helpful. Uh, that's totally like Doctor that. Who right there, by the way. Yeah, that <laughs> right up our alley. Um, yep. <laughs> I, I think the most like the most obscure instrument I know is like the glass harmonica. Is like okay. That that's like probably one of the most obscure instruments that I like can name off the top of my head. But <laughs> um, which I guess sounds a bit like I don't know that like uh, sounds like it would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen that instrument before? Glass harmonica. Um, well, harmonica, I... no H. Oh, harmonica. Yeah, glass harmonica. It's like basically, it's like this. If you can imagine, it's this like set of nested gla- like crystal or glass bowls on this oh. pivot wheel, and it yeah. rotates into a reservoir of water. And so basically, you're playing it as though you'd be like you know uh, because it's rotating. Okay. It's like it's like you're playing the crystal glasses or whatever but it's gotcha. set up like this or whatever so you can play it so, kind so of like some, a harp somebody something. somebody took the whole thing of 
you have a table full of glasses that you're running your finger along, and they're like, let's turn that into a more convenient instrument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, convenient, I guess, in air quotes. Here, convenient, yeah, convenient considering it's like the size of the table itself. But Yeah, at this point, right? Okay. Like it's a piece of yeah, I, 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 don't think one of these. I don't think I've ever seen one before myself. I, I remember somebody referenced one at one point. It, but, it... yeah. That's uh, there. There's so many weird instruments that people have come up with. Yeah, okay. I just like like some of them. I I like they they've even like semi recently invented, and I'm like, it's fascinating that you can turn that into a musical instrument. But you know, it... <laughs> yeah, yeah, people's creativity knows no bounds. Yeah, exactly. Uh. So... So you'd said that you'd been DMing. Uh, you're kind of the forever DM. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so I. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, man. Um, so I, I, I started GMing. I want to say around twelve years ago or so, and it was one of those situations where I wanted to play a Dungeons and Dragons like thing, but mm-hmm. I didn't know any DMs around me. I didn't have the tools or resources to do it. Um, so what I ended up deciding to do is I had these two guys that wanted to play with me and I essentially just created my own TTRPG system for a game to play with them. Cause we wanted to do like, like Halo RPG. And so mm-hmm. I like, I sat down and I like wrote up rules for it and we bought some dice that we all kind of shared. Cause you know, we were very poor at the time. <laughs> and that's a mood yeah mm-hmm. um potentially another ally in whatever direction that your players are going yeah i i mean obviously like having good npcs and stuff is, is always a good thing I, I think for me it's more like like i have like let's say i, I have a character concept that i want to play right i'd like to play a druid um that like develop their abilities after being shipwrecked on a deserted island like that's a character concept I want to play one day. It's all crabs. Um, well, it's the only thing that was on the island was crabs. That's all they learned, ever learned to turn into. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tom Crab Hanks, magic. but instead of uh, instead of crazy, Tom Hanks got magic instead. <laughs> right. Um, that movie or, cast away. Or or got magic and crazy. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so, I mean, realistically speaking, the move, the plot of Castaway was like one magic sequence of Wilson talking away from it being a warlock backstory. That's so. true. Um, for being totally honest, uh, <laughs> with uh, Wilson as the patron, but uh, but it, I mean that also sounds like an amazing character. But um, like my concern is like if I introduce that as a as an NPC, I'm never gonna get to play that character like as a character because I'm always gonna be aware that they're never gonna be totally free agents within the world. Like yeah, I can have yeah. them do stuff, but if they ever join the party, like they're gonna want to have like opinions and influence the party decisions and things like that and like as a gm i have a limited ability to encourage that because if i'm the one who's always making the decisions then the players can learn to lean on that a little bit too much and then that becomes mm-hmm. a little bit like the players yeah. have total control yeah i totally get that i mean some some of it can potentially be like it maybe if they're relying on on their input a little too much maybe you start like feeding in false information or like or, or maybe it's false information that even that character is not necessarily aware of is false. Mm-hmm. They're like, I heard a rumor that this was happening. And they're like, great, let's go investigate that. And then it turns out that that information was wrong from the beginning and they learned it from someone who was not tr- trustworthy. Yeah. Or there was just nothing there and the players just wasted a bunch of time. Oh, yeah. We wasted a whole session doing nothing and we had to fight something that just wasted more of our time. And now we're far behind. Now we're getting farther behind on this one. Um, impending deadline coming up or whatever. Um, Armin's real familiar with deadlines. I like those. <laughs> what? I mean, listen. If somebody had told me there was a deadline in the first place, we wouldn't have missed it. <laughs> the last time my players had a deadline, their entire plane was destroyed. Oh, no. <laughs> None what, of the was, other players thought to was, mention it to my character. What Was there, like, a chance that that deadline could have been avoided by any means? 100%. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, like it we... was the it was the plot, right? The big bad evil guy said, yeah. "Hey, on this date, I'm <laughs> I'm requesting that you all come because I want you to see what I'm gonna do." And then they just didn't show up, so he threw his party <laughs> without them. 
And the whole group's like, wait, it's Thursday already? <laughs> that was collectively what happened. <laughs> the worst part is my character didn't know we had to be there by Thursday. Guys, what do you mean it's Thursday? What does that mean? What's happening on Thursday? <laughs> that was almost exactly what happened. I think they went, yeah. they, they went back to, to Marvin's character's house. And they're like, wow, that that side adventure was uh, pretty taxing. Let's go and get some rest. And then we'll, we'll go do your thing in the morning. And then like, right. and then the spider guy showed up and said, oh, by the way, your whole world, gone. Wow. I'm just like, what the hell you mean it's gone? Like, I'm <laughs> it sorry. Was great. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would say in my in my camp in my current campaign uh, my um my deadlines are a little less um destructive um this was extreme <laughs> yeah uh, cuz I was going to say usually most of my deadlines are um I either have like uh, a series of side quests where I'll give them like a quest board essentially and say this mission is expiring in like 3 weeks or whatever so you have to complete it before that time, otherwise you're just going to lose access to that quest or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, or um, I've been so it's it's a space campaign that I've been homebrewing, and one of the things that they do is uh, they they'll get like sent to a planet to kind of like explore mm -hmm. and just like whatever information that they can gather from this area, they'll essentially get paid for um, uh, as long as it's like you know good informative intel or or items or or plants or whatever that they've collected um and usually what i'll do is I'll, I'll start off that mission with being like you have 70 hours to explore this region and once that 70 hours is up you're expected to be like uh wheels up off the ground uh, uh in orbit of the planet um because this is like the allotted time that your employer essentially allows you to be here to do this thing and you might get like penalized if you're still on the ground when your timer goes off essentially. Mm -hmm. And you're using that out of 5e? Um no, that's also another um kind of system that I've created on my own slightly inspired by by 5e like I wanted to make it so that if I needed to shift back into 5e at any point, I could. <laughs> So like all of the all of the skills and abilities are essentially relatable, but I've I've kind of created my own mix of things based off of some system of like um uh powered by the apocalypse plus like a hint of Star Trek. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because I was gonna say like I don't think Five E is like particularly well suited for sci-fi. Like I definitely think there are better systems out there. Yeah, not entirely. I, I, I actually did another 5e campaign where I did like a post-apocalyptic thing, but I wanted to have some technology involved in that, so I, I had to like add in more skills, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, scavenging and um, like really? engineering, engineering essentially. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I assigned those to um, your uh, certain abilities, and then I was like, you can choose to take a uh proficiency in whatever and then that'll go into uh c c instead of having the proficiency from your class or your backstory or whatever you can choose to substitute one of those for one of these new skills i think that's a good way of doing if it you wish. yeah yeah that that reminds me of like because like i used to play saga's edition um, with Marvin, mm. actually, um, Star Wars Saga's mm -hmm. edition, mm -hmm. yeah, and um, like that skill list looks way different. Like systems very different from from Five mm -hmm. E for sure. Um, it, it has a lot more in common with like Three Point Five, honestly, right? Or like Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, I mean, the progression is um, very different. It was actually designed to be like a middle point between Three Point Five and Four E. I see. Okay, it was kind of like a, a testing ground for them to see what worked. And what they wanted to get rid of. Yeah, and um, I mean, I we always had a lot of fun with that with that campaign, that campaign setting. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I at one point was considering trying to do like some sci-fi elements in like Five E, and just like trying to convert between those two just seemed like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just I tried once too. It it doesn't work without a lot of homebrew. Like a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like if you're gonna homebrew five E that hard, like just play something else. Like even if it's your own <laughs> system. Right. So so it sounds like you like pretty regularly actually, you know, have designed a few different like tabletop systems from the ground up. Kind of. And I I usually come to regret it at one point or another. <laughs> Uh, as I, I I tend to either not think certain things all the way through, or uh, I don't or don't get a lot of time to like play test that before we actually start playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've definitely run into a handful of times where certain systems get broken, or oh suddenly I can't deal damage to this character anymore because they broke a certain amount of rules or something. Um, that I forgot to establish clear boundaries for or something. Um, but I, I, I do enjoy like, uh, kind of creating game systems like that, or like kind of like trying to balance out certain things to make it viable and playable. Um, one thing I found that works better in my current campaign is just to kind of make a lot of things anomalous and, and like abstract, and not necessarily go super into detail about a lot of things. Just kind of like keep it up. Like for one instance, I have magic in this universe. I don't have like a spell list. I have a magical ability that you can essentially use, where you roll to use magic, and then depending on how you roll, essentially says how well that spell turned out, and then depending on like how powerful that spell is depending on it, it determines like how the taxing difficulty. it is to you essentially so like if it's a big powerful spell you might not be able to cast another spell for the rest of the day or if it's like something kind of small where you're doing like essentially like a, a mage hand kind of thing you could probably pull that off and then do another spell in a couple of minutes without a problem yeah. um but with the rolling of it there's a possibility that, that spell just has a horrible um accident that comes from it um, or some kind of major glitch that can cause big issues, but I li- I like I, I liked the idea of of letting my players kind of um, freestyle be a able, bit. yeah freestyle a little bit. You don't have to necessarily name a spell, but you can if it, like if it's a good reference point for you. Where if you say I want to cast like Wall of Fire or whatever, um, mm-hmm. or if you say I just want to use magic to like find a way in through this window or make that guy over there shut up magically. <laughs> um, so your but, magic in this system is a, uh, it's a lot more freeform. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I wanted, uh, I, especially with like the character creation and everything, I wanted to essentially let the character, let the uh, players create whatever character they kind of wanted to make and, and implement. Um, but also give freedom of action as well like you can kind of do whatever you want to do but then i'm just going to like make you roll one of these skills to essentially see how it turns out (laughs) which if you boil if which if you boil it down that's what 5e is anyway (laughs) yeah i mean yeah (laughs) basically um it reminds me of a um of a superhero system homebrew system that we uh we've played before in the past um that are uh i mean if you listen to the older episodes dylan um who was on uh created and like some of the earlier um, iterations of that system was very much like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, like what's your character design? It's like, well, my character has the ability to manipulate electricity and he can teleport. So, <laughs> okay, can I combine those two abilities? Can I like teleport through electrical wires? And it's like, well, sure, why not? And then like suddenly I've developed a whole new like superpower that I have, right? <laughs> and like I really enjoyed that yeah. element of like the creative problem solving because it goes from a situation where you're like, like, uh, that's one of the things I don't like about 5e sometimes is that I think that for new players, it can feel very like regimented and that can be Mm. helpful for like cutting back on the decision paralysis a little bit. But when it comes to like the spells, the stuff like that, like sometimes even when I'm thinking about it, like I look at the spells, like what kind of spells can I, like if I want to make up a new one, it's like, where do I even start? It feels like everything's covered, but like clearly the list isn't comprehensive. There's tons of stuff that it doesn't do. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking, when you're looking at it all, it feels like this is everything that it should be. Yeah. So I, I like that, like that free form and it kind of empowers the players to be a lot more creative with what, 
with what they can do because yeah when there's no when there's no marks on the page well now the sky's the limit right exactly and like and and the thing with 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 that kind of freestyle is the the bigger you try to do the magic uh, essentially you know the if if the worst of failures comes from it it's going to be equally as detrimental <laughs> mm -hmm. i got you so it's like yeah. if you're like okay i want to pull i want to pull a star killer and i want to rip a star destroyer out of space and it's just like mm -hmm. with magic and you're like with magic so it's like all uh, right buddy it's like ma make a roll and add your modifier and <laughs> and if it doesn't turn it, out yeah throw a couple Hail, Hail marys in there while you're at it <laughs> right like, <laughs> and if it doesn't work out, that that star destroyer is coming down on you. <laughs> yeah, or like worst case, you're going to the star destroyer. <laughs> You've just launched yourself <laughs> into orbit. Yeah. Oof. Um, I I hope you got the the space breathing ability already. <laughs> <laughs> can they I roll never magic? Did. Can I roll magic for that? <laughs> As you're quickly approaching escape velocity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, another thing I, I incorporated in it is um, uh, experience pools, where I give experience for either completing a session, doing something cool, or or even failing. Because you know, when you fail, you learn from your failures and gain experience from it. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I basically just kind of award them experience points, which I usually haven't done in the past because I I uh, really appreciate the um, the milestone level up process i always felt like that was like really a lot easier for me to handle in like D, &D overall um mm -hmm. but for this one i was like i'm just going to give you a pool of experience points the more that you do the more that you fail the more cool things you do or you know for, for the more sessions that you're at you'll get experience points for um and then you can spend those on improving your character getting new abilities uh, increasing some of your stats. It's crazy how uh, un much unlock, that's like... Unlocking new things, yeah. It's crazy how much that's almost exactly like the way that the this hero system works. <laughs> <laughs> it's like eerie listening to you talk about it. How long like... have you guys been spying on me? <laughs> <laughs> God, when did Dylan develop that system? Uh, I want to say 2011, 2012. Oh, definitely stole it from Dylan then, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... His thing did have exactly that, actually. It was... I think you just described the exact system. It's the exact system. It's exactly the same. I think the only yeah. difference is that he also tracked the total amount of experience earned. So, like, mm -hmm. you would so like you would earn 500 experience, but then could spend 250 of it. So the total amount earned is still 500, but you've used up 250 of it. So, like, uh, once yeah. your character hits certain benchmarks, like... Oh, I've earned fifteen hundred experience as a character, so I'm a third rank hero now. But oh, yeah. I, so like it, it's kind of like two separate pools in a way. A little bit less elegant, but I think that yeah. um, it's still effectively it, the same thing. Yeah, because with mine, I, I didn't really want to necessarily say you're X level doing whatever. I just kind of want to be like spend your experience points on whatever you can afford, and then. You know, it ba basically, your character will quote unquote level up as you're like gaining more abilities to do more things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that like that kind of like flat character progression can be really helpful too, mm -hmm. with um, kind of mitigating the like jealousy, I guess. Like, not that like I've had <laughs> to deal with this a lot, sure. Or, but like, I know that sometimes you will get that between characters where it's like you know, not, like, envious of what the other characters can do at the table, but, like, making sure that, like, no one feels like they're outshining the other because, like, we've all yeah. had access to experience, we've all spent it on different things, and... Right, because everybody's trying to find... Uh, sorry to interrupt, but everybody's trying to find, like, um... Or, or trying to, like... They have their own goals for their character. Like, uh, mm -hmm. one of my characters is, like, a fighter, um, but they have, like, this... Uh, unique connection to like solar activity so one of the things that the, one of the abilities they've gotten is the ability to like um under certain color stars that are able to like uh uh heal more actively um when some of the other characters that don't necessarily have that are like that's cool for you but you know what i want to learn how to shape shift you know that's that's what that's what i'm kind of going for because my character is more into like um 
sneaking around, espionage, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So with with the characters having different goals and things that they want to eventually create their character into, that kind of helps alleviate some of that jealousy because they're like, yeah, maybe I can't do that ability, but my goals are set in a different direction. Mm-hmm. I see. That's really, I think that's really cool. And I think the other thing too is like when you have like your set of players, like you want them to want different things, right? That's just good mm-hmm. like player diversification. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know, that sounds really fun. Honestly, it sounds like a really cool system. Yeah, I I did my best to make it as simple as possible <laughs> by also making it just like potentially infinitely as complex as possible because I'm like, you could do whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you know. I, I but then we'll just we'll, we'll find a way to like mod. Yeah, we'll find a way to like modify that to be within the rule set essentially of the game. But like, feel free to think outside the box and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of benefits and a lot of merits to that, right? Because then, mm-hmm. because I think like what you've done in in a sense is you've taken the the concept of the tabletop role playing game and you've pulled away from the like. I would say the game element, but you've pulled away from like the combat simulator element that I think is very core yes. to like Dungeons and Dragons, yes. and turned it much yeah. more into an improv game with like a loose set of rules attached. Yeah, because um, with the with the dice system I'm, I'm using, I'm using a two d six dice system, uh, and the one thing I wanted to focus on, especially with like like when it comes to combat and stuff, I don't want to be really meticulous and like have, you know six seven rounds of combat and have each because i I have kind of a large party um i think it's six that's way more six 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 players i know it's (laughs) that's that's been my problem for years is i just have way too big of parties but it's i i've learned to kind of adapt to it a little bit i mean that happens right um Mm. but yeah i mean i think that like that when you have a free form system like that i just it's a it's a really cool experience um but yeah, yeah, six people. Wow, that's a that becomes a lot. <laughs> My previous campaign had, I mean, if you add it all, because because we had a couple people that had to leave at some point in the campaign because they moved mm-hmm. away, and then yeah. we had we like adapt, uh, adopted like one or two more. Um, but I think at most we had eight players at once, and Ooh. I think in total we had ten. I think I had. Although I, I think we only had, we only ever had like eight consecutively at the same moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for my for the Sagas campaign I ran, which was a pretty mm-hmm. long campaign overall, I think the total number of people who passed through was like eleven. But I never had yeah. more than like seven people at the table at a time. Mm-hmm. And like that uh, was a lot. Yeah. Honestly, one of the older campaigns that I ran. Which was like my first five E campaign. I think we got really comfortable with three people. Three, I think, is my ideal grouping because I can still pay a lot of attention to like those amount of people and still like make them feel involved and integrated um, mm-hmm. without taking too much time away. Because you know, with six, seven people, it's I'm going to have to take some time to focus on this guy for a little while, so I'm mm-hmm. sorry I have to take attention away from you, but I, I promise eventually I will get back around to, to focusing on your guy. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot easier to like, get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. But, you know, as a DM, you, you do your best to make everybody feel included and uh, at least have a little bit of story focus on them at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the best you can do. And, like, mm-hmm. all it really comes down to is, like, it's just good table etiquette for everybody else to, like, do your best to be invested in what everybody else has going on, too. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I know I've made this point before, but it's, like, if you're only happy when the story <laughs> spotlight is on your character, mm-hmm. you're gonna not like playing the game. Because, yeah. just mathematically, unless you're being really disruptive... If all things are equal, you're only getting, you know, 10, 15, 20% of like the yeah. total story time, air quotes. Like if right. it's split up evenly. So if you're just miserable whenever anybody else is doing something, like <laughs> you need to really kind of think about what your like what your character goals are and your priorities when you're sitting at the table because it really mm-hmm. is like a collective storytelling experience. Or... Right. And and even one of the things is when you, one of the other characters has something going on with them specifically, there might be 
be something that has like interest to you or like something that like can like play into your character um i might mention something that's like oh well like i was off visiting this family but then i ran into this person who's part of your backstory and then suddenly their ears perk up a little bit and they're like wait what's going on (laughs) yeah it's like if you weren't paying attention now you've missed your own plot hook exactly yeah so definitely definitely some (sighs) tips there um Mm -hmm. so i want before we close it out i did want to kind of um Uh, ask you one last question um so do you have any like tips you would give to like a new dm who wants to like either get their first group together or maybe has been playing for a little bit like what's your kind of go-to like advice for new dms um for new dms i would say it's gonna feel overwhelming and that's okay (laughs) because it was very (laughs) overwhelming for me at first too uh honestly my first foray into fifth edition was kind of my first big experience of getting access to all the resources and being like, this is a lot to take in. Um, and, it certainly is. And, and you know what, even, you know, 10 years later, I'm still learning how to DM better. Like it's, it's not going to happen for you all at once. You can, you can do your best. Um, but it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to retcon things. It's okay to let something slide and either fix it later or own your mistake and let it be part of the world that you're creating and maybe have it have its own consequences from whatever happened. But don't get too hard on yourself because it's it's not easy. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Um, and sometimes it's really hard to keep track of everything. Um, but as long as you do your best, that's all anybody can ask of you. Awesome. Yeah. No, I really I... like that advice. Thanks. Comes from the heart. <laughs> it sounds like so. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right, Lucas. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, where can our audience find you? Um, I mean, uh, my big stuff is probably my YouTube page at Vorpal Lance Music on YouTube. Um, I'm also on like uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, but they're all like slightly different usernames. <laughs> um, but if you Google Vorpal Lance Music, you'll definitely find all of my stuff. Okay, right on. Um, and I'll definitely uh, do my best to include some links in the uh, in the notes as well for the show. So if you guys check that out, it'll be there. Um, so. With that, uh, thank you everybody for joining us today. Um, you know, uh, as always, you can always catch our stuff um, on Spotify, iTunes, and your other major podcast players. Um, I'm Owen, of course. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Vlad Fever. Uh, Marvin, you can find uh, at Taiyugetsu. You want to spell that? T A I Y O U G E T S U. All right, all right, all right, everyone. Well, uh, we will catch you next Saturday, and uh, yeah. Stay frosty. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for having me.